Wendy's is the, the third largest hamburger chain in the United States, behind McDonald's and Burger King. It was founded when this guy, Dave Thomas, opened his first restaurant in 1969, and he named it after his daughter. And from there, it has grown to over 6,500 restaurants in the States and over 29 countries across the world. Now, Dave, he attributed his success to his MBA. But by this, he didn't mean his Master of Business Administration degree. Instead, what he meant by his MBA was his mop and bucket attitude. He believed that no work task was too insignificant for him or any of his employees to tackle. He wanted all of them, including his managers, to jump in and get the job done. To pick up the mop and bucket and be willing to serve. But of course, Dave and his Wendy's restaurants didn't invent this idea. As we've seen in Paul's letter to the Philippians, Jesus is the ultimate servant leader. And he calls each one of us, whatever, whatever our role in life or in church is, to follow him with that same servant attitude. And in our next section of this letter, Paul provided three amazing examples of people who lived out this attitude of serving others in love. So we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30, and Jude is going to come up, and he's going to read for us this morning. Thank you, Jude. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news to you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because he has a son that his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to see send him as soon as I, I see how things go with me. And I have confidence in the Lord that I am myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to Ephroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who was also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of your needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not, uh, not on him, uh, but only but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am more eager to send him so that you see him again. You may be glad, and I have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Thank you very much, Jude. That's great. Timothy. He was like a son to Paul. And Paul valued him greatly. That's why Paul was so keen to send Timothy to Philippi, 
to see how that the church there was doing. Now, of course, he couldn't go himself because he was under house arrest in Rome. But what was it that made Timothy, so made Paul, value Timothy so highly? Well, it wasn't his charisma or his courage or his oratory skills. Timothy seems to be quite a a timid, quiet sort of guy. Instead, it was because he takes a genuine interest in your welfare. He takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Earlier in this letter, if you remember in chapter 1, we learned that some people in Rome were preaching the gospel out of envy and rivalry. They were pretending to serve the Lord, but were actually just promoting themselves and also causing problems for Paul. But Timothy didn't serve with these kinds of ulterior motives. Neither was the service forced or artificial. Instead, it came from a a genuine concern and care for others. He really loved them. And that's not an easy thing for us to do. Because we can so easily get caught up in our own lives and forget about our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can focus on our own walk with the Lord and be oblivious to the needs of others and the opportunities that we might have to serve them. Or we can spend all our time talking about loving other people and what we can do to serve them, but actually do nothing to help. But the Bible challenges us that our love must be sincere. As Paul says in Romans 12. We're called to love other people in a way that's without hypocrisy, without pretense. Seek other people's good from a heart that is overwhelmed by God's love and grace in our lives. In fact, it's this genuine love that's supposed to be the defining characteristic of Christians. Do you remember Jesus said in John chapter 13, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So how did Timothy demonstrate this genuine heart? What evidence could Paul present to back up his confidence in Timothy? that he had a a genuine concern for these guys. Well, this week, many people spent a lot of money to demonstrate their love for someone special. One survey claimed that Irish people spend more than 200 million euro each year on Valentine's cards, flowers, perfumes, chocolate, jewellery, or even holidays. Though I have to admit that I didn't really contribute very much to that 200 million euro. In fact, nothing at all. Sorry, Lorna. I am confessing this morning. But Paul, Paul wasn't confident 
in Timothy's genuine concern for others because he'd bought them gifts. Instead, it was because Timothy expressed a commitment to the gospel. As a son with his father, verse 22, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And the church in Philippi, they saw this firsthand. Because Timothy, he actually joined Paul's missionary team just before they travelled to Philippi. And so as a young man, he'd served alongside Paul in taking the gospel to this town. And this was no easy task. I'm sure you remember that Paul and Silas, they were beaten up and thrown into prison for doing just this. And that threat continued. But Timothy, he was committed to keep on sharing the gospel because he genuinely cared for people. And if we are genuinely concerned for other people, then we'll also be committed to sharing the gospel with them. Pointing them to Jesus and encouraging them in their relationship with Him. Evangelism and discipleship, it should be driven, it should be motivated, it should be enthused by the love of Christ. That should be the driving force in our lives. This is what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. He said, for Christ's love compels us. He was so impacted by the love of Christ that it just drove him to keep on going out with the gospel, no matter what it cost. It was love that motivated Jesus to give his life for us on the cross, as we've just remembered at communion. And that same love should lead us to sacrifice our agendas, our plans, our time, our money, even our lives to introduce people to the Savior and to encourage them to grow in their relationship with Him. But Timothy was not just committed to sharing the gospel because of his genuine concern for others. This also flowed out of his dedication to Christ. Look at verse 21. Paul said about others, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy, he was different. Instead of being self-centered and self-absorbed, Timothy was focused on Christ. Jesus was his priority. Jesus was his ambition. Jesus was his Lord. And Timothy expressed that commitment through his genuine concern for the spiritual welfare of others. His love for Christ motivated him to care for others. When Jesus 
restored Peter after, deny, after Peter denied his Lord three times. Peter had an opportunity to declare his love for the Lord three times. But each time, in response, Jesus called Peter to feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Obviously not talking about little woolly animals, but about us, about the church. Love for Jesus and love for his people, his church, go hand in hand. They can't be divorced from each other. They are inseparable. If you love Christ, you will love his people. And that's why it's so, so sad, even shocking, that this selfless love for others was what made Timothy stand out as different. You see what Paul said of him in verse 20? I have no one else like him. What a sad reflection on the attitude of many Christians in Paul's day. Genuine love for others is such a basic expression of our love for Christ. And yet the more common attitude was that Christians put themselves first. And other second. I wonder if this situation has changed. Or would Paul still struggle to find people like Timothy in our church today? Are we genuinely concerned for the spiritual welfare of others? Do we daily express a commitment to share this glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus? Are we motivated by our dedication to Christ? So Paul was planning to send Timothy in a little while to Philippi. But another of Paul's friends, they were heading to the church in Philippi much sooner. Verse 25, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. Now Paul, he also valued this guy. He called him here, verse 25, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. These are expressions of respect, of, of love, of admiration. But in many ways, Epaphroditus' service was really simple, very basic. He was someone, verse 25, whom you sent to take care of my needs. He'd been sent by the Philippian church to go to Rome to take a financial gift to Paul, and when he was there, to look after him. To look after his practical and everyday needs. That was his job. That was his service. So, like Timothy, it's crucial that we see the spiritual needs of the people around us. They, they're desperately in need of the gospel. 
But we also need to be involved in meeting people's practical, everyday needs. To, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. But although this was a really simple service, it's also often costly. In Rome, while Epaphroditus was serving Paul, he was ill. And almost died, it says in verse 27. Now Paul, he didn't go into the reasons for Epaphroditus' illness. We don't know what the illness was or why he got ill. But Paul did say he almost died for the work of Christ. In some way, his illness was connected to his ministry. And it reminds us that in this fallen and and sin-cursed world, good people suffer. God's people get ill. Even if we're faithfully serving the Lord, we might still have to battle with ill health. But this incident also helps us to to see the heart of this man, Epaphroditus. Because even in his illness, when he was nearly dying, he was still concerned for other people. Do you see that? Verse 26. He longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Instead of focusing on how ill he was, instead of lying there and just complaining about how rotten he felt, he was worried about how this would impact others. He was deeply concerned about how his illness had worried the church back home. And he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to relieve their concern. He was thinking about them. Now, the cost of serving others might not be so dramatic in in our lives. But there's always a cost involved. Maybe in terms of our comfort, in terms of our space, our finances. But probably one of the biggest costs is our time. Our lives are are so busy that it's so difficult for us to take time out to develop real and lasting relationships, to sit and to listen to others, to practically care for their needs. But loving others practically is a crucial part of our Christian lives. This is what John wrote. Let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. It's also one of the the characteristics of the early church. They didn't just sing or talk or pray about loving other people. They actually lived it out in very practical ways. So Acts chapter 4 says, there were no needy persons among them. Not because God sent money down from heaven, Not because he just miraculously blessed their businesses so that everybody had lots of money. 
But Acts 4 goes on to say, because from time to time, those who own lands or houses sold them and brought money from the sales. God provided for the needs of those early Christians through the sacrificial giving of his people. So could it be that there are some Christians today, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need, who are struggling, because we don't love them as we should, because we are not involved in caring for them as we should. It's a really challenging thought, isn't it? Especially because these days we're not just faced with the needs of, of those around us. We can actually get involved in, in meeting the needs of people across this world. It's a great privilege we have these days. But it's also a huge responsibility, isn't it? But did you notice what Paul called this ministry of Epaphroditus? He said, verse 20, verse 30, sorry, it's the work of Christ. He recognized that Epaphroditus in his practical ministry was every bit as much a servant of Christ as he or Timothy were in their spiritual ministry. There wasn't kind of a hierarchy of ministry. Oh, preaching the gospel, that's really important. But looking after people, well, that's important, but not quite as much. That's not how Paul saw this. All of this was the work of Christ. And so Paul told the Philippians to welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Paphroditus, he wasn't working for their praise. He wasn't doing it for the honor. He was serving Christ. But it was really important that that church, his home church in Philippi, expressed their appreciation and honor for all that he had done. Because that would bless and encourage Epaphroditus. But it also encourage others to get involved in this unseen and practical and often overlooked ministry of serving others. It would develop a culture within their church of loving others practically, sacrificially. So in church it's right and proper that we respect those who serve in the more public roles, in leadership, in teaching, in, in leading worship. But we mustn't forget those who serve in more private ways in more practical ways. We need to honour those people just as much. But of course, if we, even if we fail to do that, if we are lacking in that regard, the wonderful, wonderful truth is that we know that Jesus values those people who serve that way. No matter how small or seemingly insignificant their service is. This is what Jesus said. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth. He will certainly not lose his reward. Jesus sees what we do. 
when nobody else does. He sees when people go and visit or just help or, or bake something and give it, give it to somebody or welcome somebody for a cup of tea in their house or helps tidy up after church or a hundred and one other ways that we might serve. This is the encouragement for us to keep going, not to give up. No act of service for Christ will ever go unnoticed or unrecognized or unappreciated by Jesus. So are there practical needs in our church or in our wider community that we could be involved in meeting? Is there someone that God wants us to go out and express His love to in practical ways? We can do this as individuals, of course we can. But we also have a ministry in our church that focuses on this. It's called Helping Hands. It organises the distribution of food in association with Food Cloud, taking spare food from supermarkets and, and distributing it to those who are in need. But at times it also helps out in, to people inside and outside of church with other practical issues. Organising lifts to hospital appointments, dinners to those who are ill, visiting those who are on their own, and, and all those kind of things. It's limited, of course, by the number of people who are involved in it. So if you want to put this into practice today, if you want a very, very tangible way to, to live this out, then maybe some of you might want to get involved in this ministry. If you do, then please come speak to me or to, to Lauren or to Tony or to others who are involved in this. Because it's, it is a simple service. But it is a costly one. But it is an incredibly valuable one. So Timothy and Epaphroditus, they are incredible examples of servants of Christ. But perhaps we shouldn't be surprised with this. After all, both of these men were hugely influenced by the Apostle Paul who again and again expressed this Christ-like servant attitude. And even here, in this passage, when Paul is talking about Timothy and he's talking about Epaphroditus, we can see this attitude coming out in what he wrote. So he was sending Epaphroditus back to this church. But not because he didn't need his help anymore. Not because he was just kind of fed up with him and he just wanted some space. His love for Epaphroditus is shown by his concern when he was ill and his gratitude for when he was healed. See what he says in verse 27? But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Clearly, Paul loved this guy. He would love to have kept him with him to enjoy his friendship and fellowship, and help. But he knew that the church needed to see him. And so he sent him back, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have left less anxiety. 
Paul put aside his own needs, his own desires, for the benefit of how this church felt. He was caring for them in sending Epaphroditus back. He was, of course, also planning to send Timothy to him, to them. This was so, he says in verse 19, that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. He couldn't just pick up the phone or, or zoom them to see how they were doing. He sent Timothy back to see how they were doing. Paul had so many problems in his life that we could have forgiven him if he'd just been wrapped up in his own needs and his own issues. He was imprisoned. He was guarded round the clock by Roman soldiers. He was under attack from even some Christians in Rome. And yet his deep concern was to hear about how this little church in Philippi was getting on. He was really concerned for them. But that wasn't all. He wasn't just planning to send Timothy to see how they were. He was also planning to go and see them personally. Do you see that in verse 24? I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. As we've seen, Paul, he hoped that he would be released from custody. But if that happened, if he was released, if he was found not guilty of the the made-up charge against him, he wasn't planning a vacation. He wasn't planning a retreat. He wasn't planning to retire somewhere safe, put his feet up and take it easy. He was planning to go right back to the town where he'd been arrested, where he'd been beaten up, where he'd been thrown in jail. He was willing to go right back to that dangerous situation because he valued these people so much. Because he wanted to renew his fellowship with them. Because he wanted to encourage them in their walk with the Lord. That's the kind of man that Paul was. And so that's the kind of impact that he had on other people. He didn't just teach with words that Christians should love each other. He taught through the example of his life. A life that was lived consistently for the benefit of others. And of course he did this through following the example of Christ. The one who gave up everything for us. This is what he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So if we want our church to become a more loving community, this is our challenge. How do we influence others so that they can become more loving, more caring, have deeper concern for other people? Well, it's not primarily through teaching them. And it's certainly not through criticizing them, pointing the finger and judging them for their lack of love. Rather, it's about through, through setting them an example by serving others in radical, sacrificial, and selfless love. 
If you want your church to be a more loving community, love other people. Serve other people. Be an example as you follow the example of Christ. So here are three Christians living out the servant heart of Christ in their lives. Caring for people's spiritual welfare. Meeting their practical needs. Leading by example. This is the attitude that God wants to see in each of us. Whoever we are, whatever role we have in life or in church. To humble ourselves and do whatever we can to serve others in love. And so walk in the footsteps of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us.